Hi there, everyone. Happy January. Actually, we wish them happy January at the Winter Classic, I suppose. But this is Late Night with Chris and Scott, your Blackhawks Crazy podcast. Even though the time that you're probably listening to this isn't late night, but we are recording it. I'm trying to get Scott from continuing to yawn here in front of me after the Blackhawks 4-3 overtime loss to the Nashville Predators. Um, you're back to 100%, too. You're, you're sounding better. You look healthier. I'm at like 97.6. I'm, I'm antibiotics. I got a few left. Um, and I had, I had coffee all day today, too. The hardest part was not being able to drink coffee for like four days. I love coffee. Why not? Because, you know, it's that, that like sinus infection where you just can't drink it. You can't drink anything like dry that's not really soothing. Tea is better if you got to go hot. I may, I make room for coffee anytime and, and tea, too. But yeah, It is hard. Yeah. Um, but the Blackhawks here continuing a three-game homestand that will wrap up Saturday against the Vegas Golden Knights. That after playing one of the best teams in the West in Calgary and losing in regulation on Monday, then playing another one of the best teams in the West in Nashville here as uh, we record after Wednesday night's 4-3 overtime loss. And then the team the Blackhawks have never beaten, the Vegas Golden Knights, who are on a roll, of course, as they come to town on Saturday to wrap up this particular homestand. Um, I think this was, unfortunately, this is the way we're talking about the Blackhawks these days, but an encouraging night despite the outcome, especially against this opponent, because even though they split their first two games and only come away with an overtime loss here, I think the way the Blackhawks played against Nashville is the best I've seen them play against Nashville, dating all the way back to before the 2016 playoff series. Um, did I have that right, or was it 17? 2017 playoff series, uh, when they got knocked out in the first round, and uh, they were able to apply some offensive zone pressure against a team that has the best goals against average in the league, and I think has the third fewest shots allowed. And I think overall, even though there was some frustration with puck management that led to Nashville goals, and then they scored that other one off the initial faceoff, really liked the way the Blackhawks overall played in this game. And uh, even though the results aren't ideal, again, we're starting to see some steps and some progress here under Jeremy Carlton. I think you take the same away from Wednesday's game. You can take away from Monday's game. They're playing well against top teams in the West now, and that's something we didn't think we could say a couple months ago when things were pretty uh, dire here. But in Nashville, it was a very tough matchup. They have an excellent defense. Pecorino has been playing really well. They're getting guys back who are banged up, like P.K. Subban, like Philip Forsberg, who scored two goals on Wednesday, uh, the game winner in a minute in overtime. So, yeah, very, very tough team. And, you know, we're going to get into our, our picks later, but a team that you could see going really far in the playoffs. Yeah, we're going to uh, take a spin. Uh, We should have done this at the exact halfway point or maybe, well, we couldn't do it during the Winter Classic when maybe the one before that, but taking a look at the post-halfway mark of the season, some of the awards and some of the conference finalists that I know you can't wait to hear uh, coming up later here in the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. But, uh, Scott, one thing that that continues to, to pop up here is the Hawks have some guys who are really on a roll individually here. Alex Debrinkit has a second straight 20-goal season out of the gate. He's the eighth Blackhawk to get 20-plus in his first two NHL seasons, the last one being Artemi Panarin. Um, But he scores his 21st, 10th and 15 games here on Wednesday night. Patrick Kane, you can put any combination of (laughs) whatever sequence lately he's done uh, in terms of points versus games played. But uh, the shortest one is seven goals and 14 points over the last seven. He had two more helpers on Wednesday night. Jonathan Taves continues to perform 
perform well. Um, 16 points the last 14 games. He's up to 40 points after totaling 52 all of last season. And we'll get to Eric Gustafson in a minute, but... uh, I think what's clear here is we're seeing better execution. And pray tell the special teams are performing pretty well. And I think that all that goes hand in hand in, in how well we're seeing the overall play improve, despite the results not coming as uh, successfully as you would hope in the end run. Yeah, special teams are better. You know, I like to balance better uh, Wednesday night. And, and a big part of that for me was it was time to move Alex to bring it up to the top line. Mm-hmm. Brandon Saad, for me, has been playing very consistently all year. You know, he's, he's doing things right. He's crashing in that. Still snake bit. Going to say, but he's snake bitten uh, for the second year in a row. So why not move him down to third line? You'll get some good two-way play out of him there. Uh, and, and time for Alex, who's been playing out of his mind, doing everything right, uh, to go to at least the first line, if, if not back uh at some point, the second line was Strom and Kane. So good to see him there. I think that's where he needs to be in a top six role. And, you know, you never know if Saad gets going. He could still be a top six guy later on. But very nice to see Alex Brink it on a top line Wednesday yeah. night. And, and part, of, part of that equation, but putting Saad down on the, on the quote-unquote third line or whatever you want to call it is, you know, will that production increase without, you know, having a, a Taves and a Cahoon to play with? But, you know, that's on Brandon, who has five goals over his last 23 games. Um had that extra attacker goal on Monday to give him 12 for the season. You still want a little bit more out of him. Otherwise, his overall game, I think, it has been has been real good. And this is going to be a heavily defensive-themed podcast here because uh, interesting thing that Jeremy Colleton did in this matchup against Nashville with another Uber line that they were facing with in Forsberg, Arvidsson, and Johansson in order to get Jonathan Taves away from that particular matchup with the last change, he decided to put... Uh, Jeremy did Drake Kajula, David Camp, and Saad, and mixed results in terms of what the final numbers were and the uh, production that that uh, big Nashville line was able to deliver. But he's mixing and matching and trying some different things here, and I think uh, he's getting a better grasp here of what exactly he has in some individual players and how they can work together in different units. You know, one individual player kind of had an interesting game for them, and I heard you and Troy talking about in the first intermission was was Delia. I think in no way do you put this loss in Delia. I think you can even say overall he was good on Wednesday night, but just a, a little bit of, uh, I guess you could say, control issues more so than usual. First period, it was um, uh, giving up some rebounds that he usually doesn't, that he hasn't in, in his previous starts. And uh, second period, it was kind of uh, bobbling the puck there. I think it was Forsberg who was crashing the net, and, and he kind of was having trouble getting a glove on it a couple, couple times in a row. So not maybe not his best game and doing some things that are uncharacteristic of him and the way he plays, but, but still a good effort. Yeah, and I think he was fighting it all night. And this is the first time, I think, that we've seen since he was called up last year. wasn't even fighting it as much in his NHL debut until he got dehydrated uh, last season. But this is really the first instance here as uh, he his record falls to 3-1-2 and two on the season where he may not have been at his best, but he battled and he still got the help get the Blackhawks into overtime. Obviously, Artemon Isimov's goal with two and a half minutes left had a lot to do with that. So now I'm interested to see if Jeremy goes back to him Saturday against Vegas, continues getting him more playing time. Cam Ward hasn't necessarily done any thing not to warrant regular playing time but this is not a back-to-back situation and as the most important things right now if the Blackhawks aren't going to find a way to get real hot and make it in the playoffs it's about evaluation and there's big question marks over this position um, moving forward goaltending position moving forward in the next season and 
how much of a workload Jeremy gets uh, gives Colin here is going to be real interesting. And I would assume that as long as he's able, um, Colin's going to get an opportunity to see what he can do with a regular regular workload at this level. My guess is he goes Saturday, be his third consecutive start. It's uh, first time. I think and there's spacing between games here. Too. Yeah, yeah. It's not you know nowhere close to to back to back. He can rest. He can practice. Uh, everything you want to do as a goalie. See shots and get some rest. So, yeah. Uh, Ward last start was the Winter Classic. I think I think you see Delia start to get control and get the majority of the starts here. It's one of those things where I mean you're almost not surprised if it goes the other way because mm-hmm. it's kind of it's a very almost iffy situation you, you don't want to play him too much but at the same time you want him to start getting more time more confidence so yeah i could see him playing saturday nothing is new with with cory crawford by the way cam moore did play in the game against pittsburgh had a pretty ah, solid nice. night as well yeah, um uh, but nothing new on cory crawford we did see him after the morning skate here walk past the media but jeremy having gone through that and how it ended his career staying, staying totally out of that situation publicly and apparently privately too he's not bugging Corey, and until Corey is uh, showing some signs of being closer, um, I think he knows through experience just to, to stay away from that. Um, another guy among many being evaluated on this roster is Eric Gustafson, who has been lights out offensively this season. The power play success, I think, has had a lot to do with Gustafson quarterbacking a lot more and spotting, setting up your Patrick Keynes and Alex Dobrinkets on that power play. But we all know the main question about Gustafson's long-term future here is how he can adapt defensively. And on that first Nashville goal, a little bit of opposition. That whole sequence initially started with Artem Anisimov not getting the puck out of the zone when he had the opportunity. Nashville kept pressuring, and things got a little scrambly for Gustafson in particular. And despite running his assist streak now to seven consecutive games, he has nine helpers in the seven-game assist streak. He was a little bit hard on himself. After the game, you'll eventually hear from that as he uh, reacts to some reporters' questions. Eric, you get the point tonight. Obviously, that's a good thing, but I'm sure you, you know, you're disappointed you don't get two. And do you guys feel like you need to get two on a more consistent basis going forward? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we know what spot we are in right now, and uh, we need all the points we need. Uh, we can get two, and uh, uh, we're down one goal at the end. Uh, obviously, it's good to come up with one point, uh, but uh, we wanted to. Do you feel like this team is getting closer? Though to that, come, come you feel like you're getting closer to that capability to go on a little bit of a run. Yeah, I think we're doing a great job out there uh, every game now. Uh, to be coming out uh, from the from the start, uh, playing 60 minutes, and uh, today it was got a big goal in uh, PK there, and uh, it was um, it was good for us uh, to get at least one point uh, when we were down with one goal at the end there. How would you evaluate as a whole the whole team performance tonight? For myself, I was uh, I feel I was terrible today, uh, but um, I think the play the team played well. Well, uh, I think uh, we can be better in our zone, but uh, at uh, for sixty minutes, I think we played well. What do you think was terrible about your performance? Uh, I struggled with the puck uh, in my own zone. Um, passes wasn't there. Uh, uh, it just felt off. Leading into this game, though, I think you had about six assists in the straight, straight six games. So, you know, this game aside, what's been working for you offensively? I think our power play has been working great. Uh, I think we're moving the puck well. Um, I think I don't know how many assists I have in the power play right now, but uh, 
at the end, um, last six or seven games, we've been we're good at the power play. I think that's a big uh, part. We s- uh, stay in the games too, and uh, I think uh, if we want to win the games, we have to score goals in there too. In a game like that, for you, is there a danger of pressing and trying to do too much? Well, a little bit, yeah. Uh, I think I maybe have to. Calm down a little bit when I when the puck is not my friend out there. Uh, uh, it's just uh, I gotta keep going, uh, and when I don't seriously um, like a friend with the puck, yeah, I keep doing those hard places I maybe not have to do all the time. And if I get rid of that, it's, uh, it's gonna be good for me. What was the feeling among you guys after Tays got the, uh, the shorthanded goal and got you guys back into it? Oh, it was great. Uh, great to see that. Uh, great pass by Kruger, too. Uh, I was just, uh, I think it was the last time we scored in the PK was a long time ago. So it was, it was a huge uh, goal for us uh, coming in through the th- third there, too. Uh, I felt uh, the group come came together here, up here in the uh, third intermission there. So it's, uh, uh, it was a big part of this game. I think Eric knows now more clearly you know working with Jeremy as he did in Rockford last season before his promotion when he's good and when he's not so good on the defensive end because that's the main question we know what this guy can do offensively and what is encouraging though is that blue line starting to take shape where with the way Connor Murphy and Carl Dahlstrom drawing the tough matchups um, and doing pretty well I think at it uh, despite what the Gaudreau line did for Calgary the other night, and despite what the Johansson line did here against Nashville, between the pairing of, of Murphy and Dahlstrom, who have been solid, Gustafson seemed to have played a little bit better, paired with Duncan Keith. And then now that Henry Yokiharu is back from Worlds, granted Brent Seabrook was, was sick and missed the game on Wednesday night, but uh, we're seeing the, the competition start to ramp up. Forsling, who's another one of these young defensemen, um, has been struggling a little bit lately before he was placed on injured reserve, dating back to uh, uh, an upper torso, I believe, injury from last weekend. Um, his game has dipped a little more recently here. Brandon Davidson getting the opportunity, I thought, has been real solid. So we're starting to see some legitimate competition and minutes that you have to earn start to form here. And I think the the higher the stakes are raised, um, Jeremy can just sit back, and these guys are going to earn their time. The healthy competition right now for the defense is great, and it's like you said, shaping up. And it's something you, you again, you couldn't have pictured a couple months ago. It was just a problem mm-hmm. when Connor Murphy was hurt, and you didn't know uh, when he was coming back. And you know, no one expects him to have such a big positive impact when he did come back the way he has. It's you know, you can argue a lot of games that he's their best defenseman out there. Yeah. Like you said, getting the top matchups. So it, yeah, all this uh, healthy competition is breeding some some good play from the defense. Well. Keep seeing how it shapes up, but I think um, you know Gustafson obviously still has a lot of potential. And I, I didn't, I was probably writing, so I get to, I didn't get to see his minutes as the game progressed. I, I know he was doing well offensively again, but had a, a tough game. Did he, did he lose some ice time? Because no, he was still there, and then he was still there on the ice in overtime when the Blackhawks could not get the puck, <laughs> and Nashville, Nashville just kept it. But the three on three overtime is is really a crapshoot, and you could tell Nashville was trying to play keep away, trying to force Taves and Kane to defend, and Gustafson to defend, and that ends up uh, being the game winner there. We mentioned 
mentioned Yoki Haru returning after missing the previous 10 games when the Blackhawks assigned him to Team Finland for the World Junior Championships. It turned out exactly as management had hoped. Yoki Haru, a big piece, and he wore a letter for Team Finland in that uh, run to the gold medal. And he was on the ice and got one of the helpers with a minute and a half left in that gold medal game against Team USA after the Americans had rallied from two down in the third period. Yoki Haru with a minute and a half left gets the secondary assist on what was the gold medal clinching goal for Finland. They were then able to hang on. And now that he was back before the game on Wednesday after morning skate, I caught up with the 19-year-old defenseman and uh, asked him a couple questions. But we start with what it was like being the quote-unquote old guy, the veteran on Team Finland. It was fun to be like that spot like probably never have been that spot before you know always be the young youngest guy on the team so it's, it was fun how did you take the news initially when you found out about it a few weeks ago uh obviously it was like tough you know for like i have my family and family over here and uh Living in Vancouver, Victoria, but like when I, when I stepped on the plane, I was like getting more excited all the time and want to win the gold medal, and uh, that was the goal. And happy that we won that. Is that the most high-pressure hockey environment you've ever been in? Honestly, maybe, might be. I don't know. Probably, it's, like I don't, I don't feel the pressure too much, you know. And uh, it's just about their head, you know. But uh, it was probably, probably top three over there. Yeah. Take, take me to that moment when you know the final minutes of the game when it's still kind of undecided. The Americans came back and tied, and what was that feeling like in terms of keeping your calmness and trying to play your game? Yeah, I was try to keep my head during the game in the last minute and uh, have, have a good last shift and uh, changing. There was 20 seconds left, and uh, it was awesome. And then when you helped score the the winning goal, what was all that was that celebration like then, and then the celebration afterwards? Celebration, I just try to keep my head still in the game and I didn't celebrate too hard because I, I knew they my score still tried tied up but uh, it was big it was big big moment for for our team and our nation too what have you heard about the uh, response and the uh, you know the the reaction back home in Finland yeah it was big it was big big thing for Finland back home you know it's we're not too big country over there so but he's uh, this country went pretty crazy after that, and uh, now the players are back home over there, and they're still celebrating kind of there, and uh, it's, it's awesome awesome to see the Finnish country having so much fun. So how do you think this is going to help you overall in the big picture? Oh, big picture, it's have more, more time with the puck over there, and uh, just try, try to come with that kind of confidence back here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you given anything back to the American players here or no? Oh, uh, no. no. <laughs> Let's figure out there are a couple cops, so no, maybe not. First game back, uh, welcome back from Junior's Kid. Here's the Nashville Predators. Uh, go get them. But he played a real solid game, I thought, this time. I believe playing for the first time with Brandon Davidson, with Forsling out, with Seabrook out. And he was solid. He was just like he was before leaving uh, a cool not very noticeable 19-year-old defenseman, and I thought, um, you know, he just kind of picked up where he left off before traveling to Vancouver and Victoria, British Columbia. Yeah, first where I thought where he was in the lineup was interesting, that, that uh, Carlton kept Gustafson and Keith together. And it's either he, he has said before he really likes how they play together. But I think it's also maybe kind of easing Henry back into the way things are, are going here. So I thought that was interesting, and, you know, talking to him, 
uh, Wednesday morning before the game, he really did have a, a great experience, as you just heard, and, and it mattered a lot to him. And it's funny, I kind of asked him about, um, you know, we got wind of, maybe it was a story somebody put out, we got wind that it was maybe a little bittersweet for him to go, that he, mm-hmm. that he didn't want to leave at first. And, you know, he goes, no, nah, that's, that's all media talk. It's, <laughs> it's you guys. So yeah. it's pretty funny. You know, and then getting the goal and coming back, now you could say that. But uh, he, he did great. He's a cool, calm customer for a 19-year-old. I heard the interview very reserved, although we hear from his teammates that that's not necessarily the case in the room or when he's on the ice. Apparently he's very vocal and uh, screams a lot when he's on the ice, and uh, I think he's going to be really a staple for, on this blue line for years to come. And you were mentioning the existing defensemen, but it's going to be really exciting during training camp next year because you're going to have Boquist out there, you're going to have Ian Mitchell out there, you're going to have Nicholas Bodan out there, and they may be knocking on the door for the next training camp. Heck, Boquist was this past September uh, vying for roster spots, and then the competition wraps up, uh, ramps up a little bit more for you know the veterans, the medium age guys, and the kids on the blue line. And uh, the defense really a, a, has a bright future here in Chicago. Speaking of which, a former defenseman was hired last week, promoted last week to be elevated from Rockford. Sheldon Brookbank, who is uh, on the Two teams for the Blackhawks, the 2013 lockout-shortened season, in which he helped the team win a cup as a seventh defenseman, and then stuck around for the 13-14 season. Sheldon Brookbank began his coaching career last year under Jeremy Carlton in Rockford, and with the coaching staff still needing to be round out up here, Jeremy didn't want to leave the Ice Hogs coaching you know, the bench baron down there by taking Sheldon right away. But he said this was all along part of the plan to eventually elevate him and be a part of his staff. It's a different voice. It's a different way of seeing things. Um, uh, former veteran NHL defenseman. And winger. And winger. <laughs> one game in the playoffs, right? Yeah. And, then, and, the, and that one game when Duncan Keith got suspended in the 13 conference right. final. You know, there he, there he was again. Um, Contributing in the uh, in the Western Conference Final, but um, in any event, we don't get a chance to talk to assistant coaches on the record at all, except for at the Blackhawks convention. They did make him available uh, once he was promoted last week, and here uh, you hear some of his thoughts on getting the promotion and being back here at the NHL level. You know, I'm looking forward to it. There's uh, a lot of guys I know on the roster and the guys I've worked with in Rockford, so I've had that level of familiarity with them. So I think that'll help and. Just uh, you know, taking it one day at a time and getting uh, getting my feet wet and get things going here. It's been the hardest transition transition for you to go from play to coaching. Um, honestly, it's sometimes when guys are on the ice or acting up, and you're just you don't have a hand in it anymore. You, you know, you get a little fired up on the bench just watching guys. You know, maybe uh, stick guys in your team and stuff. And you know, it's out of your hands, and that's I know that's kind of a simple thing, but that's you know, you just realize you're. You're more of a coach now, and it's just uh, you let the players do what they do, and you just got to just keep your cool back there. Does, does it help that you have the relationships with these former players of yours, or is, is that is there a fine line between being a coach and obviously a former player, a former team? Yeah, there's definitely a difference between being a coach and a teammate, but um, you know what? I think it helps that I have a relationship with those guys just with the communication factor. And, uh, you know, I guess the job for assistant coach is always to – be this sort of in between between the coaching staff and the players so I feel like I have a little bit of a leg up in that sense that I know some of these guys already and I could talk to them and I have a lot of respect for them so 
um, you know, it's. I think it'll help just uh, having that relationship already. Who's been the biggest influence on you for your coaching style, or who's like a coach that you look up to? Coach that I look up to, Jeepers. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just you take a lot from the coaches over the years of, you know, that you had in your career, and you know, obviously. Q was a great guy here. Took a lot from him. Um, Randy Carlisle, he had his kind of old school way that I kind of enjoyed out there in Anaheim. And I had a couple of guys in the minors, Claude Noel, Bob Woods. They, I liked what they did too. So you just take bits and pieces, and you know, then working with Jeremy, you learn a lot from him too. So you just you sort of take a little bit from everywhere you've been with all your experiences, and then you just kind of put it together in how you want to coach. Did you always see this as your post-playing career path, or is it something that just developed recently? Yeah, I mean, I thought about it, yeah, and um, you, you prepare for it a little bit. You don't want to be a player just totally preparing to be a coach because you want to just focus on being a player. But, uh, yeah, I definitely thought about it at times, and uh, it was something I was comfortable with you know, throughout my career, whether it's just organizing some skates in the summer and stuff like that, just getting a little taste of it but uh, you definitely think about it along the way funniest part of that interview is when Burkbank's talking about getting angry when other te- other other players or uh, opponents are taking liberties with his player and wanting to j- jump over the jump over the boards hopefully we don't see that with Sheldon but that'll maybe that'll be fun to watch he was that kind of player he right. fought John Scott mm-hmm. I mean remember that you gotta have a, a death wish to do that he was, a, he was a really tough guy not afraid of anything alright so let's wrap this up with some uh, as we alluded to earlier some uh, mid-season picks on some awards at the end of the year and who's going to be the final four in the Stanley Cup playoffs this is we Watch a real nail-biter wind down on Wednesday night between Ottawa and Anaheim. A battle of eight-game losing streaks, and it's tied at one in the final couple, fumble, couple final minutes at, at the Duck Pond. Um, let's, let's start out with some uh, individual awards, maybe the four major ones, the Norris, the Adams, the Calder, and the Hart. Let's, uh, you know what, I never, I never zeroed in on, on the Norris, but I think I'm going to have to go... We're kind of similar here from what I can understand. and Right, right. And um, obviously there's some, some candidates up and down. You can go with a headman in Tampa Bay who has won this thing, a couple of the other old standbys. Um, you know, uh, whether you want to go Eric Carlson, who is on an incredible tear points-wise as we speak here for the San Jose Sharks. But one team that has really made a jump this year, and I think, you know, it's kind of reflected in our picks here for some of the individual honors, was the Calgary Flames. And Mark Giordano, uh, who wears the C for Calgary, has really been impressive and part of really a, a deep defensive unit for the Flames. And if I had to make my choice right now, based on the improvement of that club, I might have to go with Giordano for, for winning the Norris Trophy. I agree with you. That's who I had. Ahead of the games on, on Wednesday night, he had the fifth most points in the league with 40 and the best plus minus with uh, plus 30 ratings. So, yeah, I think he's just been solid all year, and I don't see that tapering off at all. He's not a guy that lights it lights it up on, on the score sheet or anything like that, but just solid, reliable. He's been that way and under the radar on these Calgary teams that have – not been good enough over the last couple of years, but he's really taken the bull by the horns, taking nothing away from this Nashville defensive core. Four more assists on, on Wednesday night. That gives them 119 points on their blue line so far this season. So my initial gut... I, I, I probably I didn't. That's probably the one I spent the fewest amount of time really, really looking at. But Mark Giordano for both Scott and I for the Norris, and along those lines, the Adams Trophy for Coach of the Year. I'm looking at Calgary as well. Bill Peters was 
I coached the Rockford Ice Hogs a few years back, then went and joined Detroit. Had a tour of duty with Carolina, and with that new ownership taking over, Bill saw an opportunity to bail out of his contract. They let him go, and... Again, that Calgary team has been playing really well, and I'm, I think the Blackhawks are glad they're not seeing that team for the rest of the season. I agree. Bill Peters, you know, they improved a lot in a lot of areas where they need to improve. He's been great with the younger players there. And I just remember when they were here on Monday just listening to him in scrum and, and thinking uh, what a good coach he is and what a great job he's doing. So I also got Bill Peters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, you can you can make an argument for Phil Housley with what Buffalo has done so far this season. Um, Montreal has made a jump with Claude Julien as well. And then there's Barry Trotz. Look what happened to the Islanders, and look where they are, even though they lose John Tavares. Uh, I think you can make those, those arguments as well. But front and center, I think, for both of us is Bill Peters. How about Rookie of the Year for the Calder? Um, there's a lot of good young players. To me, there's, there's one that's head and shoulders above the rest. Elias Pettersson, the 19-year-old, slight of frame, but man, he's got ridiculous moves, putting up points, leading all rookie scores right now as he battles through an injury. Uh, the Vancouver Canuck, to me, is the guy that uh, is is the clear Calder Trophy front runner. I agree. Unless an injury keeps the rookie off the ice, it's usually the rookie that's uh, leading in points, and I think he's leading by a lot, right? Yes, by a wide margin. I have to go back and, and look at it, but uh, yeah, a couple of the, remember what the Calder Trophy race was like last year with the Barzells and and all you know. Debrinket gets what finished at seventh or eighth goals his rookie year in the Calder Trophy voting. But uh, yeah, Elias Patterson. Uh, hopefully, he's not out for for too much longer from that injury that he suffered. I am going through all the pages. Here's the rookie scoring leaders: twenty two goals, forty two points. He leads Colin White of Ottawa by seventeen points, and then comes the number one overall pick, Rasmus Dahlin of Buffalo as 21. Guy I really like, Brady Kachuk, but he has been off and on injured, playing for an Ottawa team that we're watching right now, uh, really struggling. So, call the trophy for me and you goes to Pedersen. Um, are we going to disagree on anything here as we go to the Hart Trophy? Uh, <laughs> I think we actually probably have the same heart. I think we were talking about Share a heart? We share our hearts on okay. this podcast. Let's not go there. But uh, Johnny Goudreau, uh, again, it's the old argument, who is the best player in hockey overall. I don't think there's any argument that Connor McDavid's the guy, but look where Edmonton is right now. Um, played really well for a while when Ken Hitchcock took over. Uh, but, uh, you know, he leads in everything, but... For impact, we saw it with Taylor Hall last year with New Jersey. And granted, Goudreau has a bunch of help on that top line with uh, Elias Lindholm um, that came in here the other night. And I love Sean Monahan. Those guys have destroyed the Blackhawks in three meetings. And the reigning first star of the week comes in on Monday and, and shows exactly why with a couple of goals. Yeah, he had a huge night. It's Hawks finding him. It's finding him. He's just he's relentless right now. Uh, everything's going his way because he's make he's making it do that. He's a great playmaker. Like you said, playing on a great team that that's only improved. A lot of good guys around him. So you know, I don't see that. Uh, he's not leaning points right now. I think I want to say he's fifth, maybe, but um, he's. Uh, I think he's going to be pretty steady, and he's on a, a, quite a tear right now. And I'm, I'm, I think we're going to see a few more streaks like that before the year's over. So we agree it's the year of the Calgary Flames come Las Vegas in, in June. Boy, that was quite a debate we had. Boy, we really slugged it out, disagreeing. Apologies are going to have to happen after this. Things were said. And we will, of course, delete this uh, podcast. Um especially have it gone come June when the awards are coming out, so no one will be able to to track this down. All right, so uh, we have a love for the Calgary Flames. Do either of us have them 
in the Final Four, representing uh, the Western Conference as a finalist. Uh, we want to take a look at our picks, who's going to be uh, vying for berths in the Stanley Cup Final, who's going to be matching up, and then who's going to win it. For me, I have Vegas uh, coming out of the Pacific. I have this Nashville team. Tough choice between Winnipeg and Nashville, um, but... Connor Hellebuck isn't playing quite as well, I don't believe, as he did last year. Pecorini's playing better. And a goalie can go cold at any time, and Rene did not have a good playoff last year. But I have Vegas and Nashville returning to the Western Conference Final. I do have the Predators overcoming Vegas this time. I think they have a little salt in their wound from their second-round exit last year. And out east, man, I would love to. I would love to pick, like, Every team in the Atlantic, those first three teams between Toronto and Boston, who are on a collision course, to meet in the first round once again. But the way Tampa is playing, um, I see them not slowing down at all. And boy, coming out of the Metro was a tough choice for me. I just don't think Washington is going to be able to come back this year. Um, They'll be in the equation. And I wasn't crazy about what I saw the Pittsburgh Penguins on Sunday night when the Blackhawks beat them. However, I see Jimmy Rutherford making a deal for an impact defenseman down the stretch, and that might be enough to get them over the top. This team knows how to get through a playoff run. They lost to Washington last year in getting knocked out, and I see Sid and the guys going up against Tampa uh, in the Eastern Conference Final. What about you? Well, in the West, you know, I'd have to look and see how the uh, the pairing and the bracket and the playoff tree uh, can unfold. But I, I think that for me, that the two best teams I've seen in the West thus far are Winnipeg and Nashville. So I think you know uh, we talked about Hollebuck. He's a great goalie. I think that there's just a team that that can take it to you, Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. I think they're they're fast. I think they score a lot. Uh, Predators. We saw them Wednesday night. I think. Uh, Everything you you see in a championship caliber team uh, mostly starts with their defense. Their defense, their defensive core, is it, at times unbeatable. The Hawks played them well on Wednesday. They're, they've gotten guys back, Not, and you got that great defense. And you got Rene, who's been playing awesome. You got guys like Arvidsson and Forsberg who can score and uh, and get get a lot of points. So I, I think the, I think the Preds are going to be your uh, your finalists in the West. I think they'll get to the Cup and. Uh, the cup final that is and i think in the east i like um i like tampa you know it's funny i was i was hey i'm not done you seem like you were thinking about that as you were saying yeah i'm trying to think of how to eloquently word this because everyone always picks tampa and as i make fun of everyone every year since 2015 everyone picks tampa to win the whole thing and uh i think i might have to do that this year i've been you know i've been holding back uh, and rightfully so i think that i think uh the other the other, uh, maybe the second best team in the East is uh, Boston. I, I think all year I've been impressed by them. Uh, great young players. Rask can play pretty well in net. Um, a lot of the veteran guys have not lost much. Bergeron is still, uh, you know, one of that's not the best two way center in the game. So I think they got a lot of good veteran and, and young players in Boston. Yeah. So uh, obviously it's going to have to shake down in terms of seeding before for those those teams to match up against each other. And boy, this has been really combative because I have Nashville and Tampa in the Stanley Cup final, and I have the Lightning winning it this time too. So that would be uh, two Stanley Cup finals in a few years for Nashville. And, 
coming up empty, but then they can raise another banner in, in Nashville and let everybody know that they were a Stanley Cup finalist. Sorry, Fred. Sorry about that. They give the Blackhawks so much uh, bad business. They deserve it. And the, the nail-biter in Anaheim was won by the Ottawa Senators, so the Ducks losing streak goes to nine. The Senators snap theirs at eight. And let's keep in mind, though, the Senators do not have their first-round pick <laughs> based on that trade line. If they end up being one of those two worst teams, those one and two picks, they don't know, they don't know either. Colorado owns Ottawa's first-round pick. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot there, Ottawa. Uh, before we wrap up, you were a very busy man tonight because when I glanced over in the second intermission, I was expecting... Uh, first time I looked for you to already have a nice pile of grub on your plate. I looked over and, and had to take a picture because you hadn't done that yet. The intermission was well underway. You're working hard. I think you were going back, if, if, if I see correctly, you were breaking down some of the goals in this one to write for your final story. You didn't have to take a picture. Um, <laughs> let's, you know... S- Let's let's just imagine you're, you're uh, you just open your work and you just open your phone and maybe check some uh, see if there's any updates. You see a picture of yourself right where you're sitting. I, I mean, I don't, I don't I don't know I don't know Chris. Where's this going to stop? I'm going to be sitting at home on my couch just uh, looking at my iPad and I'm going to see a picture of myself looking at my iPad from my home. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I was yeah I was writing a. I was making sure to, to watch video that I got a couple gold descriptions correct, and then I was going to go get some food, which was great, beef and uh, nachos. Yeah. Oh, you didn't have any of the green beans? No, I didn't. I didn't mess with that tonight. Uh, I didn't have a lot of time to eat after that. Well, one thing they did have up there that they also had at the media meal downstairs prior to the game, did you have that pretzel-covered caramel chocolate brownie, warmed chocolate oh. brownie? It was... It was to die for. I had a little bit here at pregame. I saw it sitting out there again during the second intermission. Uh, the willpower did come through, though. Not only did I not have it wow. at, at the press box dinner, I did not have the before dinner because I had such a big lunch by myself. Oh, that's why. <laughs> I went to. I talked to Ryan Hartman uh, Wednesday after the after uh, Predators morning skate, and he's talking about how he went to Al Cheval on Randolph, his burger place. And I heard. Uh, I think I might have heard Tracy Myers recommend it to one of the Predators writers too. I'm not sure. They're talking about burgers, but I'm like, I want a burger, and I'm gonna go. I kind of got to go over near there for some errands. I'm gonna go in. So I, I ordered the double cheeseburger, and I believe they gave me. Uh, a triple by accident. Wow. Wow. <laughs> There's three patties that I Scott's ate. going back. <laughs> as, as we continue searching for title sponsors of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast, you're not over your cold yet. You're still hacking here. I'm on antibiotics, though. I'm not contagious. It was yummy. Uh, all of it All of it was. So, yes, uh, uh, again, stick tap to the uh, United, United Center uh, cooking, baking staff here. They always, uh, they always take care of us well. Um, all right, done with food talk here. Uh, we'll come back at you at some point. It's going to be a weird schedule next week. I'm not sure if the Blackhawks are coming back home between a Monday in New Jersey and a Thursday in New York, or it's vice versa. So we'll figure something out for next week. But uh, for the here and now, uh, we want to thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's, it's a quarter to 12. I don't know what time they, they close the parking lots. Our cars might be trapped in the United Center parking lots. But we got to get out of here. Uh, thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it. We also want to thank Joe Romano for piecing this all together. And, uh, again, we invite you to follow us on the Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page at facebook.com slash blackhawkscrazy. You can follow me and Scott on Twitter. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets. Scott is at, at Scott King Media. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a review. You do that, you'll have the podcast ready for you and waiting for you um, as soon as 
Joe's done working his magic. So for Scott King, I'm Chris Bowden. Thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you next week-ish. Bye-bye.